Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sound Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. The place where we talk about what you think, but don't say it, you believe but won't discuss it, and you often feel but are too scared to share it. As always, I am your host, Pablo Giacopelli, and I am delighted that you could join me once again. Today, I am going to be sharing some significant discoveries that I have been uh, making lately uh, through my fellowship with Dad. Uh, that are to do with uh, the transformation that takes place in our lives when we go from being dysfunctional followers to functional followers of Christ. So I invite you to sit back, fasten your seatbelt, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sound Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. Uh, I hope that every one of you has had a, a great Christmas. I'm sure that uh, you've been able to enjoy it with family and friends. And even if you've been on your own, uh, I pray and hope that you've had a, a merry time and that you've been able to, to enjoy this wonderful part of the year, which uh, I have come to grow to love very much. And in fact, I, I miss dearly because uh, obviously living here in Israel, Unfortunately, uh, the spirit of Christmas is not alive and well as it is in most part of the world. Because, of course, uh, you know, the Jewish community here, we do not um, celebrate Christmas. But nevertheless, we, uh, we built a tree and uh, we got a nice looking Santa, which funny enough, we bought here in Israel. And last night we were able to spend uh, some good time with our friends uh, here from America that uh, live locally, which are working in the embassy. And of course, we were able to, to celebrate Christmas uh, together. Now, uh, what I want to sort of share with you during this podcast, um, which fits really with, with the season that we're in, because of course, uh, Christmas is all about Jesus. Now, Jesus uh, had two, um, if you like, basic um, things that he shared about and he basically focused on uh, in his messages. And that was, of course, the kingdom and then his invitation for us uh, to follow him. Now, uh, today, uh, I want to focus on this following that uh, Jesus invited us to do. Um, and what does that really mean? Uh, and what does that really look like in our lives, uh, if you like, in a practical circumstantial basis uh, as we go along uh, our lives and every day uh, what did he actually mean now I want to I want to start with a, a short story uh, just to sort of help you understand where the revelation for all of this began or how it began and how it happened uh, not uh, so many months ago I was uh, talking to a uh, an individual here in uh, Israel and he said to me, hey, Pablo, you are a, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said to him, nope. And he says to me, well, what do you mean? He says, you're, you talk about Jesus, don't you? And I said, yeah. And he says, so you're a Christian then? I said, well, no. I said, I'm not. I said, I follow Jesus, but uh, I'm not a Christian. And he says, well, what do you mean? He says, I don't understand. I says, well, neither do I. I said, well, what, what are you trying to ask me? He goes, well, he says, uh, he says, if you talk about Jesus and you follow Jesus and that makes you a Christian, I say, well, I suppose in your mind it does. I says, but you see, the thing is, 
this uh, this label of Christian, uh, everybody has or thinks something different when they hear it. And I wouldn't want you to fit me into the, in the box of understanding of what you think a Christian is or isn't or is supposed to be uh, or isn't supposed to be. But that I would instead you would, you know, obviously experience me and get to be around me uh, and, and be around me and, and do life with me. And then you would understand what I mean when I tell you that I follow Jesus, but that I don't necessarily see myself as a Christian. Now, um, as you can imagine, this conversation went on for a long time. Um, and I'm happy to report that at the end, uh, my friend uh, from Israel here, he, he understood um, what I was trying to communicate to him. And the big difference that exists between a, being a follower of Christ and, of course, uh, being just a Christian. Now, um, the thing that obviously uh, moved me and led me into uh, this uh, journey of, if you like, engaging that in this, uh, in this matter of following Jesus was that while I was talking to this man and I was obviously explaining to him that I did follow Jesus, I felt a, a whisper within me that said, do you now? And uh, this question disturbed me. And, you know, it was funny because while I was talking to this man, then I obviously at the same time began to engage the spirit. And I said, of course I do. What do you mean? To which I then heard, okay, if you say so, that's fine. And so that was that, you know, I didn't hear anything else, uh, but it disturbed me. So when I arrived home, I, I began to obviously ask dad, I said, dad, what do you mean? Uh, do I follow you? And I then began to obviously dialogue with God where he showed me and so told me, he said, Pablo, the reality is that most of the time I am following you. So I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, the reality is that you are a dysfunctional follower. You are not a functional one. And that has to do because, with the fact that you have never been led in a functional way. So this really got me thinking. Um, and I, um, I, of course, I understand and realize that in my life there are still areas where I am dysfunctional and that I am obviously an ongoing uh, process of healing, freedom, restoration, and, and, and that slowly uh, that is you know, bringing more and more spaces within my heart to a place where they can breathe and they can be alive. But of course, um, you know, I never really saw myself as a dysfunctional follower, if I'm entirely honest. Now, what I began to realize and understand was that, that in order to be a functional follower, you must, of course, be led by a functional leader. Now, most of us, well, all of us, um, when we are children, the people that lead us are, of course, our parents. Now, our parents, in most cases, are great providers and there are great leaders in the sense of circumstantial leadership, um, you know, advice uh, as far as the way things are meant to go. Now, clearly, there's many of us that never had that, but those of us at best that did have it, the problem isn't that they're not providers and they're not there. The problem is that they themselves are unable to lead us emotionally in a functional way because of course everyone 
in the world is wounded and in a way is dysfunctional. And unless they have come into a reality of a spiritual journey with Jesus, where they, of course, have had the opportunity to be healed and been delivered, they remain dysfunctional. They may very well be followers, but they're still dysfunctional followers. So God showed me, he says, so when you become an adult, Pablo, you begin to lead yourself, but you begin to lead yourself and your life from a dysfunctional position. And so when you are obviously uh, begin to engage with me, when you become aware of my presence in your life and you begin to ac you accept the invitation of Jesus to follow him, you, of course, then begin to follow him as a dysfunctional follower because you've never really understood what it's like to be a functional follower. OK, I'm sorry. It's a bit of a play on words here, but I'll get to the point. The point is that because we are dysfunctional uh, followers, we lead ourselves in a dysfunctional way. And so we don't really understand what it's like to follow. So when Jesus invites us, we continue to live as we are and we say, yes, of course, I follow you. But the reality is that most of the time he's following us. Now, I, of course, inevitably ask the question that I'm sure you're asking yourself. And that was, well, how can that be? I mean, I, I, I pray, I, I, I ask you things, I engage with you. And God showed me and he said to me, Pablo, you know, following it is not something that happens physically where you follow somebody. Okay. It isn't about results. It isn't about going somewhere with me. Uh, and the only way, the only reason you look at it that way is because you are trying to work out what following means with your mind. So when I ask you if we are somewhere in the world and I'm in a city with you and I say, listen, come follow me. What I'm trying to say is, you know, come follow me. I'm going somewhere. I, I want to get you there. And whilst there is a dimension of that with Jesus, our following of Jesus is not physical and external. Our following of Jesus is internal and it's an internal attitude. That is what following Jesus is meant to do. So the following isn't primarily from a place of doing, but the following is primarily from a place of being. So because it is not from a place of doing, we we, we are not meant to measure uh, the degree or the quality or the effectiveness of our following of Jesus by the results, the circumstances, the blessings or the lack of, um, or the things that we seem to accomplish or not accomplish. Our following of Jesus is not meant to be done to produce results for ourselves outside. Our following of Jesus is meant to be an inner attitude that is supposed to nourish our relationship with him. Remember, Jesus said, first seek the kingdom and your right standing in that kingdom. And then all the other things will be added unto you. So I guess here we're bumping into this third way of the kingdom again. We're following Jesus is something that happens from within. Now, um, the problem is, of course, that in order for us to be able for the functional leader to be activated within us, we need to be led by a functional leader. Now, Jesus is a functional leader, but because we didn't have the example before, we straight away do the following of Jesus in the way that we do the leadership of our lives. If, if you try, if you, if, if you hopefully understand what I'm trying to say. 
So when we follow Jesus, where uh, we obviously based our, our following and doing, where we normally find the peace, the rest, um, we find this tranquility um, that would say to us, you know, that we are following him in an effective and functional way, is we find that in our routines. Okay, so for example, if we have a routine where we wake up in the morning and we are able to pray, and then we have certain things that we do during the day, and, and, we, and those are consistently happening, then we begin to feel at peace and ease that everything is under control and that our lives, even though they have action and perhaps not a lot of momentum, but because the action is there and what is happening is actually happening on a consistent basis, we find peace in those things. Now, there is nothing wrong with having routines, okay? Again, uh, I don't want people to think that I'm saying that routines are evil and no good and you shouldn't do them. But routines have a funny way of capturing us and getting us to find our comfort, our peace, our rest in those routines taking place every day. Now, you and I both know that often in life, routines break down. Unexpected things happen. Unexpected problems take place. Situations that unsink the routine. Now, I, um, I began to realize that I myself have my routines, like I'm sure you do. And then as I began to get the revelation as far as being the difference between a functional and a dysfunctional follower, I began to realize, as God showed me, how much um, peace I lost every time my routine got unsynced. So, of course, I engaged that about that. And that said to me, you see, Pablo, when your routine gets unsynced, there is something within you that tells you that because the routine didn't take place, somehow you can't still be at peace. You still can't find the comfort, the stillness that you find when you do do the routine. And worse yet, you begin to sort of get yourself into this space now where you become absent and you don't think you can experience me and my presence and the power of my presence in your life in the same way that you do if you did the routines. And I mean, let's face it, you know, we've all said it, man, I haven't been spending much time with God in the morning like I always do. I feel unsettled. I'm not at peace. Now, whilst I understand that, okay, it is not meant to be the routine that you do that is meant to bring you the peace. Because as I will see now, as I will go into the Bible to explain what I'm trying to say, we, if God is always present with us and God is always with us and he never leaves us and he is everywhere and in everything, then there is no reason why we cannot continue because of circumstantial differences and things that happen to experience the same thing that we experience when we actually do the routine. Now, normally I, I tell stories uh, at the end, but uh, I think it's fitting for me to show you what I, what I mean through a story that it happened to me recently. So um, recently I, I had, a, as you guys know by now, I, I run a tour company here in Israel. It's one of the things I do, but instead of being a tour company, it's more a retreat where people are invited to do archaeology uh, of their own hearts with God. And so um, in between two very big groups that I had last year, um, I, was, I had the privilege of hosting uh, three gentlemen from, from the USA, uh, which I'm sure they're listening to this, and if not, they will eventually. 
Um, and uh, one of the things I had to do to do that was I had to rent a 4x4. Now, I normally rent my cars from a, a particular uh, rental agency here uh, if I need to. But I have a friend that works uh, in the American Embassy, which uh, suggested that he would help me this time to rent the car um, and that he would get me a really good preferential price. Uh, and he suggested I do that through Hertz. So I said to him, look, I've never really rented from Hertz. Uh, you know, I got a good relationship with the other guys. But, he, you know, he was very encouraging. He said, look, I, I, I can really do a really good job for you here. Let, let me rent this out for you. So, OK, he went ahead. I agreed. And uh, I rented the car. I got to Hertz. You know, they, they said to me, OK, your voucher doesn't include insurance. So you need to buy insurance, which I did. And they gave me a car, which obviously was not up to standard. Um, they knew it. I knew it. And uh, I said to them, look, this car is unacceptable. I have three VIP guests that are coming in. I, I can't take him in a car like this. So the guy, to be fair, he went on his computer. It was a busy time of the year because the holiday season here, Yom Kippur, uh, that was coming up. And of course, there's a lot of people and it's very busy. But he found me a car at the airport, but he said, and he said to me, you know, it's going to take three, four hours to bring the car from the airport, even though the airport is 20 minutes away. So I said to him, well, look, uh, you and I both know that I really shouldn't be doing this, but just to make your life easier and mine, I will drive this car to the airport and I will change it for the new car. To which, of course, he was surprised. Uh, he said, are you sure you want to do that, sir? I said, well, I don't really want to, I said, but I realize that I'm going to waste a lot of time doing nothing here if I don't do it. So let me go ahead and do that. So I went to the airport and got to the airport and the new car they gave me was uh, was great. Uh, it was brand, brand new. Unlike the other one they had given me, which was three or four years old. Uh, and the car really had very few miles, was very clean, smelled new. So it was good. It, it was really up for the job that I needed. Anyways, I, I did the retreat. We had a great retreat. Um, and at the end, I took it back. I filled the gas tank. Uh, I turned it in to the office where I originally rented it. They cleared it. Everybody was happy. We signed off. Bye bye. Thank you very much. And I was actually quite satisfied apart from that initial hiccup that we had. Now, um, about, um, I don't know, two and a half, three months later, I get a phone call from this uh, agency and um, I'm, uh, I'm going about my daily routine. And then this phone call um, says to me, uh, Mr. Giacopelli, how are you? Uh, I said, good, I'm really good. And uh, they were very cordial and, you know, very nice. And she says, look, um, there was a problem when you rented the car. And so I thought she referred to, and I said, yeah, there was, I said, but it was no big deal. He says, oh, no, no, I wasn't referring to that. I was referring to the fact that we didn't charge you any insurance and that now you owe us uh, $600. So... I mean, I, you can imagine how I felt on that phone call. So I, I counted to five, you know, I relaxed and I said, what? I don't understand. I said, I rented the car. I paid insurance. I got the, the voucher to show that. He says, yeah, but we charged you the wrong insurance and the one we should have charged you, we didn't. So I then said to her, well, I said, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't understand. I said, and how can insurance be $600? I rented a Kia. I didn't rent a Rolls Royce. And I said, and, and apart from that, I said, do you even realize, I says that if I knew the insurance was going to be that much, I would have gone and rented it somewhere else because somewhere else would have been much cheaper. I had another option. So she says, well, look, I understand, but I got to charge. And I said to her, don't you dare charge my credit card. Um, I will not, I will contest this because this is just not the way you do things. I said, and you are a company that is established and I expect a lot better from you. So she says, okay, fine, no problem. Uh, all right, I'll have to call you back and then we'll discuss it again. So we hang up. 
I didn't hear from her. And then a week later, I go into my bank statement just to check to see things are normal, you know. And I see that she has taken out $318 from my bank account. So you can imagine I was not very pleased with that because not only did she take the money and do what I asked her not to do, but she never called me back and she never sent me a receipt or let me know that she had taken the money. So it was almost as if she did it, hoping that I didn't notice and she got away with it. So the next day I, I, I went and of course this took me out of my routine. This was an inconvenience. I had to stop my day and my, the routine that I normally have. I had to do something that I normally don't do. I went down to the office and um, as I went in, dad spoke to me and he said, Pablo, this is a perfect opportunity for you to see that I am just as available, that I am just as present and that my power is just as powerful in your life as it is when you do do your routine and life goes as planned. So, you know, I know why dad said that to me and obviously he said why don't you just come down and let me handle this don't handle this the normal way things are handled in Israel I'll take care of this you just be be you know be obviously solid don't don't start wavering don't start apologizing you know put your case forward I will take care of this now obviously for those of you that don't live in Israel you know when someone for someone to give you money back on something that they've already taken from you, uh, it's a miracle. For them uh, to give you more money back than they originally took, now that is a super miracle, okay? And so I approach, I'm just sort of giving you that, that sort of like a preview so that you understand at the end how amazing it was what happened. So I, I obviously, you know, chose to trust that and... I hadn't done my routine, I hadn't prayed, I hadn't, I hadn't done the things that gave me the confidence that God was there for presence because I did them. I hadn't spent a powerful morning with him praying because the reality was I woke up early, I got dressed, I had breakfast, I took my kids to school, I took my, my, uh, my wife with me and my other daughter that was visiting us and we went down to Hertz and you know I didn't spend any particular time praying committing myself I said a very quick prayer I asked God to help me and that was that so my routine had not taken place the things that I often perhaps without knowing that I find confidence in and I find my peace my tranquility my trust that because I've done them then all is good and all the angels are present and heaven is present and God is present had not happened so I went forward and I you know, presented my case to the guy who had originally dealt with me. And the woman that had done this, had taken the money, was next to him. Now, you can understand, I wasn't looking at the woman with the, with the, with the you know, the joys, the springs of joy within me. And uh, thank God she was busy when I arrived. So I went to this guy and this guy goes, well, he says, it appears that, yes, I, I, I didn't charge you the right insurance. And I'm like, but how, how can that be? I says, you, you, you charged me insurance. You asked me for the minimum. That's the insurance I paid. Well, he says, uh, he, you know, she will take care of it. So the woman becomes available and I go up to her and I, I say to her, listen, uh, just, just a couple of things before we begin. I said, I am sorry to see that you went against what I asked. You took money. You didn't let me know. I said, and, you know, it would appear that you did it in a way in which, you know, you were hoping I didn't notice. 
And I says, you need to understand that I didn't want to rent from you. I never have rented from you before. You can check your records. And I normally don't rent from you because I have someone else I do. I did this because someone from the American embassy recommended you. I said, so you came very highly recommended. And then you go and do this. Well, while I'm explaining this to her, there is a woman in the back office, you know, and she shouts at this woman and uh, this woman says, you know, I'm sorry, I have to go to the back. She takes my file with her and, um, you know, I now stand there and I just feel God say, OK, Paula, now let me take care of this. And these two women begin to argue in Hebrew, of course, with each other. Uh, and you can imagine arguments here in Israel are, are not exactly the prettiest sight. And they are going at each other's throat. Then they get on the phone with, I don't know who the victim was on the phone, because the way they talked to him, and I would imagine the way that he talked to them, it was, I mean, it was like World War III going on in this office, you know, and I'm just observing all of this. Um, and so much, so much is the noise and the, the, what's going on there that even a British couple that were there renting a car, they, they said, wow, it doesn't look like things are going very well in there. And I just smile at them, you know. Anyway, she comes out, the woman, and she says to me, uh, Sir, I am very, very sorry. Um, I made a mistake. I should have never done what I did. I have, we have just spoken uh, to our head office in America. And our head office are, are indignant about what happened. They are very upset. And they've told us not only to re replace and refund the insurance and the transaction fee, uh, but we will also be refunding some other money that, again, we should have not taken from you. You know, I, as I stood there, I had one of those uh, aha moments and uh, I was like unbelievably surprised. You know, I was just so surprised that I was speechless. And the woman says, are you OK there, sir? I said, yes. I said, yeah, I am. I said, uh, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you doing that. He says, no, no, no. He says, I'm very, we're very sorry. We should have never done that. And then, of course, the woman inside shouted at me in Hebrew, you know, are you happy with this? And I said, well, yes, I'm. So it's not a matter of being happy. It's a matter of what was supposed to happen. Now, that day I understood something about being a functional follower and a dysfunctional one. A dysfunctional follower would have gone in there feeling within that because he was not obviously had done his routine, that somehow he would not have the breakthrough that I had. I know in the past I felt that way. Also, the other thing that I think is important that we notice in this situation is that I that all of this happened within me. And I have noticed in my life that often when I come to a project, when I come to something that I'm doing that is new, um, I normally, yes, I'll pray and engage God, but it will be more as a matter of routine than actually engaging God in what I'm doing. And so the way that I know about, that I do that is because I then go along with what others do, what common sense tells me, what the internet gives me information that one is supposed to do when they do a particular thing in this particular project that I'm doing. And normally when I do that, I then end up hitting a wall. I end up hitting a, this place where things are going really well and bang, I get stuck. And I, and I ask God and I say, and, and I say, God, you know, is that why? And he said, that's right, Pablo. He says, because... You see, there I am following you. You're not following me. Yes, you prayed, you engaged, but you never gave me the time to actually answer you and show you. You never gave me the time to actually lead you from within and obviously take you and show you in the way that you needed to go.
So for me, this has been an incredible, incredible, incredible breakthrough because I have understood that often um, my following is very dysfunctional. And that is because I have never really been led by a functional leader. Now I'm beginning the functional follower in me is being activated because I am learning and understanding what it looks like to follow a functional leader, which is, of course, Jesus. Now, this follower here in me that is getting awakened, this functional one, is also becoming a functional leader because, of course, every great leader has to first be a great follower. And even though he becomes eventually a great leader of people, of whatever he leads, he nevertheless always remains a follower. And that's something that we need to work out within ourselves, not within our minds, where we think we can either be one or the other. But is one activates the other, and one keeps the other one flowing in a functional way. If we become leaders and we're functional leaders, but we stop being functional followers of Christ, our leadership will become dysfunctional over time. And then we will, of course, become dysfunctional leaders. And as you and I both know, the people that follow our work, and in this world, let's face it, there's a lot of following going on. You know, people get followed on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you are in any way a leader of anyone or anything, whether it be in those social platforms or in your work or in your home or whatever, or even leading your own life, it is extremely, extremely important that you understand that you must continue to be a functional follower in order to be a functional leader. Because otherwise, those that follow you will catch the dysfunction in your life. Because the people that follow our work or follow us in the sense, you know, normally our work will normally catch things from us and will be a reflection of what we are. Okay, because the most important things in life are not taught, they are caught. Um, and it's what we do subconsciously and the way that we move in our life subconsciously, that is obviously what truly impacts those that follow our work or follow anything that we do. Okay, whether it be a position of leadership in a company, in a church or whatever. So incredibly, incredibly important. Now, um, I want to uh, just double a little bit into uh, the Bible here. Uh, to just put a, pull out a story from the scriptures, which I believe really, really, really uh, brings out this principle that, or this reality that I've shared with you today, which I hope is clear and you've understood. Uh, and so I just want to I want to look at that uh, briefly. Now, I know that uh, in podcast uh, gone by, I, I stopped reading the scriptures uh, and I just left that to you uh, so as to not uh, make the podcast longer than it needs to be. Uh, but in this occasion, I, I want to read it because it isn't that long, really, the, the passage. Uh, and I'm going to be reading uh, from Luke uh, chapter 10 and verse uh, 38 to 42. And it says, And it happened that, that while they were journeying on the road, he entered into a certain village, and a woman whose name was Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister whose name was Miriam. And she came and seated herself at the feet of our master and was listening to his words. And Martha was occupied with so many chores and came saying to him, My master, you do not seem to care that my sister has left me by myself to chore. Tell her to help me. But Yeshua answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled by many things. 
But there is one thing that is important, and Miriam has chosen the good part for herself that will not be taken from her. Now, it's important to understand that as we look at this story, like with every story in the Bible, there is uh, two ways to look at this. We can look at it through our dualistic mind, which I obviously explained earlier how it, it, it gives a misinforms or gives us the perspective of following that is not healthy or what Jesus actually invited us to engage. Um, and in the same way here, uh, we can either look at it from that perspective or we can look at it from the other perspective, which, of course, is the kingdom, the third way, the way that God sees it, the way that the kingdom would like us to understand it. Now, we need to be, be, be very clear here and, and make a few things, um, obviously, uh, just to, to, to sort of clarify a few things. First and foremost... Um, you've got Jesus who arrives at the house. Um, he comes in. Clearly, Martha is the owner of the house. And so Martha will be responsible for the bills. She will be responsible for keeping the house. She will be the one that keeps things going. Miriam, on the other hand, is probably lodging in the house and she would normally help. But she doesn't have the pressure okay, that Martha has, which is the one responsible for keeping this thing going and sustaining it. So when Jesus comes in, uh, of course, Martha straight away um, goes back into her routine. As soon as he arrives, she goes back into her routine. Uh, he, she, she goes to her chores, whatever those may be. In my Aramaic Bible, it doesn't really go into it in the book of Luke. Um, but what imagine, you know, it had to do with the running of the home. Now, Miriam, on the other hand, she goes and sits with Jesus. Now, the, the, there's, there's a couple of things that I want to look at here. First and foremost, Martha is unable to leave her routine. She's unable to stop doing what she's doing. Again, in some ways justifiable because she's the one responsible for keeping the place going. Okay, But there is, there is a deeper thing here, uh, and that is that this woman clearly believes that if her routine, if the things that she does are not kept up, then obviously things are not going to go well. And we know that because of how Jesus, and by the way, Jesus doesn't tell her off and go, Martha, Martha, you're, you know, he's being empathetic with her. He's being, he's being sympathetic and empathetic and saying, Martha, Martha, you are troubled by so many things. And so you see, the trouble in here is that she believes that she's responsible for the results in her life. She believes she's the one responsible for keeping things going and that the way that those things are going to keep going are if she keeps the routines that she's doing and has been doing and relying on, on doing for all this time on the, for, and for the routines to happen that produce the results. She does not believe that if she stops that, she can, of course, then, you know, have what she has or experience what she can experience. Now, Jesus... Funny enough, he turns around and says, listen, Martha, I'm not going to tell Mary to go and join you in your routine because Mary is enjoying the interruption of your routine or the routine of the house that I have caused by showing up here. Now, just listen to that, because what God showed me, he said, Pablo, I am the one that often interrupts your routines and allows certain things to happen to unsync the routines that you have come to put so much confidence, trust, and found your peace in the fulfillment of them. 
And I will be the one that steps in and just flicks things out of sync. Because, not because I want to complicate your life or I want to trouble your life, but because I want to deliver you from this, uh, if you like, idolatry that you have come to place on the routines of your life. Now, as I'm sure you can imagine, I, I thought, how inconvenient of you, God, to do that. But you see, God is, a, a, we need to understand that God's, and the most important thing to him is the condition of our hearts and that he is a jealous God. He doesn't want us to become attached to things that we find in, we try and find in them what only he can give us. And we know that because those things that routine gives us can be taken away. But what he can give us in our relationship with him, we know that cannot be taken away because he says to Mary, uh, to Martha, as he's talking about Mary, at the end he says, that will not be taken from her. In other words, what Mary is chosen to do, which is to find her fulfillment, her peace, her joy, her life in me, right? Instead of the routines, that can never be taken from her in the way that those things that you find in your routine can be taken from you the minute the routine doesn't take place. Now, today you may be finding yourself in a situation where your routine has suddenly been flicked out of sync and you've been probably spending much time rebuking the devil and telling the devil to go away and, and engaging in this spiritual warfare. Well, meanwhile, the devil is over there in Saudi Arabia, nowhere near you. And the reality is that the thing that responds or reacts uh, the most aggressive uh, to uh, when things get out of sync, it's our false identity, which is, of course, our ego, which is, of course, the part of us that loves to be in control, in spite of the fact that control is only an illusion. And you see, we come into this, uh, we come into this reality where we eventually, the reason we, we really put so much trust in our routine and our little you know, frameworks and little schemes is because we feel in control. Whereas the other way, the way that obviously I'm sharing with you, is we need to trust God to continue to deliver those things into our lives. Now, clearly after hurts took place, I went back to my routines. But now I am not losing my peace and losing my quietness within me as most dysfunctional followers do when things are unsynced because I have understood that my following is not through the doing of my routines, but the following is through my being at the feet of Jesus, like Mary was in this story. That is what following is. It's an attitude of the heart. It is internal. It comes out of being, not doing. And it is meant to nourish our relationship with Christ in the same way that that was happening between Mary and Jesus. She was nourishing her relationship with Jesus. Now, it's important to understand as I come to a close that, of course, these routines don't just refer to our, if you like, daily routines, but they also refer to the weekly routines that we often have uh, where we attend certain meetings and we spend time with certain people and we do certain things. Now, if we think that our, uh, our connection with God or the way God feels about us 
or the way whether God is going to remain interested in our lives or the way that he feels about us and the way he loves us in any way is going to change or going to be deterred because we're somehow not able to be part of these weekly things or we are not able to attend them or we don't always do the things we're supposed to do then that I would encourage you or invite you to consider that that has become again something that is causing you to try and find what only a relationship with Jesus can do like it does for like it did for Mary in other things and which are of course part of your routine let us be very clear here um, if we want to really understand uh, the way Jesus went about things with his disciples uh, just to sort of qualify what I've just said and essentially what I've said about the rest of the podcast is, you know, Jesus, the only thing that happened in the disciples' lives that was routine was that they were in Jesus' presence and spending time with him. Now, we know that Jesus himself goes about breaking this routine when he sends them out and says, listen, take what I have shared with you, travel light, and go and do this. And I believe one of the reasons Jesus did that was, first and foremost, to show them that even though they were not physically with them and connecting with them and going about their days in the way that they always went so the routine was broken that he still was with them that they could still see the same powerful things happen through their lives and in their lives as they did when they were with them one-on-one live going about what they did every day remember jesus moved around he went to different synagogues he went to different places and again i'll say it whilst there is nothing wrong with being part of a, a a body of believers and attending something and being part of a routinely encounter with certain people on a weekly basis and having friends that you encounter and spend time with the moment that you find your peace and your fulfillment in those things, you're again falling into the same trap as Adam did when he thought that by fulfilling the rules, by going about it in his own way and him taking care of things in a particular way, that he would somehow be okay and he would no longer need to trust God to deliver those things into his life. I know for me, as I, uh, I now really do come to a close in the days gone by, I know that through my routines and my work, ultimately I was trying to helpfully make my life significant, find some sort of way of you know, showing to the world that I was significant and that, that it was, uh, there was a significance to my life. The reality is that, uh, and I want to leave this with you as a Christmas present to you because it was certainly like a Christmas present to me when I began to see this. And that is that if you're alive today, you're already as significant as you're ever going to be. Because the reason that God gave you life was because you were significant in the plans and the purposes that he had for this world that he has created. So the fact that you are here means that you're as significant as you're ever going to be. It doesn't matter what you do or what you don't do. It doesn't matter who you are in the, in the world's eyes as far as whether you're successful or unsuccessful, whether you have a lot of money or not, whether your ministry is reaching millions or just reaching the guys around your block. It doesn't really matter. Your significance is not attached to what you do and neither will your routines and the fulfillment of them ever deliver the significance that we find in Christ when we realize 
and listen to this very carefully, that we get there when we realize that in Jesus, in Christ, we are already there. And that is as significant as our life is ever going to get. Thank you once again for listening to me. Uh, it has been a, a privilege and a pleasure to spend this time with you as always. And as you are getting ready to welcome the year, uh, I'd just like to furthermore invite you uh, to consider that what we've just celebrated in Christmas and happened 2,000 years ago was primarily done to show all of us how important, how well, and how much we are loved by the one who created us and created it all. No strings attached. Let that resonate within you, together with the other things that I've shared. And uh, may this not only be a resonance within you, but it may also be the place that you choose to do your days from in the coming year and for the remainder of your life. Until next time, I send you my shalom and I leave my peace with you. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. We have come to the end of another episode, and I sincerely hope that it has been enjoyable, a blessing, but above all else, it has led you to perhaps consider perspectives you have never seen before. For more information about the Zone Project, this podcast, and all the other work that I put out on a regular basis, please take some time to check out the show notes where you will find the relevant links. As for me, I hope that you can join me again. So until next time, thank you and Shalom.